I'm doing it this week. What, what cold did I miss? You you left early last week because you. Oh actually, yeah, man! I had because life got in the way. Yeah, I got shit to do, man. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast from independent validator teams. Hello, welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast from independent validator teams. Uh, the podcast will continue until morale improves, until price action improves, uh, or until we can all afford to finally follow the advice of that lawyer who once said, before the dust settles, be on a beach. Sage advice. Wait, what, wait, what lawyer? Uh, the, did I not tell the story the first time I tried to get um, actual serious legal advice from technology lawyers? Um the i think he, i think he's a partner of that firm actually and they're not a particularly small one um they kind of took the call they're kind of like you know curious about the the crypto stuff but i guess didn't have a lot to say about it and he thought about it he was like well you know based on the other like disruptive technologies that have come along and you know credit cards and this that and the other and the shenanigans that can happen my advice is to be retired and on a beach before the dust settles <laughs> Oh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty good advice. Yeah, I mean, it was like it's not, it's not, it's not dreadful advice. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't really helpful at the time, where it was just like, "Hey, is is what we're doing like legit? Is there anything we should be aware of?" And it's like, <laughs> cash out. Yeah. The, the The answer was, "Hey, look, is just make sure you pay your taxes, and the rest of it, nobody can tell you." And then and that was to be fair, like we've been doing this a while now right so that that was actually several years ago now uh, a couple of two maybe fully two years ago in fact we're in 2024 now i think that was the beginning of 2022 so really it's kind of like uh it reminds me of uh hans gruber's advice right like when uh, you by the time everybody figures it out we'll be sitting on the beach earning 20 percent and in 20 percent you didn't bring me along for, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality <laughs> By the time the delegators figure out the rug, we'll be sitting on the beach. <laughs> well, do you know what? You know, we were having the conversation, is that a Christmas film the other week? It, it is worth remembering that when the vault opens, you know, there's that, there's that long shot of the vault door opening. Yeah. And, and, see, the, and what music was playing? It's like, it's not like. It's Ode to Joy. It's it was Ode to Joy. That's right. <laughs> which is Europe's national anthem. Um, little fact for you. And then there's that shot up from the floor of Theo watching the door open. And then when the door is finished opening, what does he say? What's the line? Oh, fuck. It is... Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. He says Merry Christmas. That's right. If that's not if that's not the nail in the coffin for Die Hard being a Christmas film, I don't know what is. Uh, the line I think you might be thinking that's of right. is when Hans no, walks in, he says... Uh, at Alexander, when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds left to conquer. But no, that no the one, the one I was thinking, the one I was thinking was earlier that when he goes, "You asked for the mir- you asked for a miracle, I give you the FBI." <laughs> they got they got the 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 bargain basement terrorist playbook, and they're running it step by step. Good <laughs> <laughs> fucking movie. Best best moment of that entire film, I reckon, is you know when the FBI agents turn up and it's like Agent Johnson, FBI, Agent Johnson, FBI, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> just whoever wrote that, uh, their entire paycheck, just with that one line, that is so good. That's absolute. Oh, 
A plus plus writing, or the bit where he's just like, "This is just like Saigon, eh, slick," and he's like, "Yeah, well, he's born, like, yeah, dickhead." Like, I was fucking nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was five, asshole. I was, ju- I, was I was in junior high. Dick. I was in junior high. That's what I was. Yeah, yeah. I was a junior high dickhead. Uh, what? It, <laughs> just now, I just kind of want to go watch Die Hard again. Uh, hey, uh, is Bendy in the chat? Maybe Ben can take over, and I'll go watch Die Hard. What's <laughs> that, uh, buddy? Hey, so speaking of Paul Newman, um, yeah. it was stuck the other day for a film to watch, right? Trying to do this thing of like, we now don't, we're not just going to put on random shit from a streaming service going to watch a film, right? Uh, and you know, like if you just sat on the sofa with your other half, like there's just infinite films that one of you has seen and the other one hasn't. We threw sure. on Butch Cassidy, mm-hmm. right? That film stands up. It's good. Was it's that in your good. list or was that in your SO's list? I've just seen fucking. I, I've seen like all of the films, you know, right? Films, you know, yeah. right? Uh, that's Jim's always that, many. That's always difficult though because you, I don't know. I always like, oh yeah, I love this movie. Then then I was like, oh, do I really want to? Because you know, I get to disappoint somebody, right? Like it's like slap shot. Like you know, you know, like it, it never goes the way you think it's gonna be. Like wait for this part, and then you know, and you look it over, and you're like, I give up. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Slap shot went down pretty well in this house, so. <laughs> Except for, the weird, except for the weird stuff with the guy's wife that that did not go down well that was yeah, like yeah. why is 70s. he doing this it's the 70s yeah. yeah it's still not cool though isn't it, it wasn't yeah. cool then it's just like no no not really let's be I mean, honest he's wearing leather pants so you gotta give him there's like a little bit of leeway oh my god that all leather outfit that's and all brown <laughs> it's all off brown isn't it it's just a i didn't know that Ode to joy was europe's national anthem yeah, the European right? Union. Uh, it's the European Union's. It's not really like an national anthem, I guess, is it? It's a, the European Union's anthem. Is Ode to Joy. Oh, okay. So, uh, what's uh, what's Australia? Is it's like some ACDC song or something? Like, what is it? Yes, like <laughs> Hell's Bells or for, for, <laughs> which which one is it? Back in Black or something? He's not even. He's just. He's just Can't even make fun of Australian. He's not actually frozen. <laughs> yes. I don't Stop. think he's moving. Now he's just ignoring us. I can see the smile coming in. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was um, so I was talking about going to the consensus um, with my other half, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you should you, you should head you should head over. You know, it'd be good for business. It'd be good. You meet the boys, and like, uh, you know, you've you've never seen Nolta face to face. He's gonna be super sad if you don't make the effort." And I was like, "No, let's give the shit." He's just you guys, like, oh, you never met face to face. Chilled. He's just he's just be like. <laughs> As long as there's beer, I don't care. <laughs> she was like, uh, you're, you're coming with your partner? No, no, no. So so uh, I was talking about the fact that I had a ticket, um, but I wasn't sure what to do about it. And I was kind of told, to, I was just I was told, oh, you should go, you should go, you should go. And then I was like, okay, that would mean having no help with uh, with the Wii one for a whole, you know, seven seven days or so. And then there was a sudden, there was like a moment of- There's that realization. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure Noel would be really upset if you didn't, <laughs> but it would be good to have the help. And you're like, ah, you see, you see that this, um, but yeah, who knows? Might still happen. Um, so news this week, what's happening? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I was, uh, you know, I was asking oh. about uh, ETH nodes earlier. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're um, asking a lot of questions this week. How, well, yeah, I mean, I was getting, I was getting. You're, somebody, uh, you're in like research lavender, mode. I was getting lavender to to do my homework for me. Of course, yeah. <laughs> basically um, doing that's exactly what you're doing. 
Hey, look, look, I can't remember every dumbass thing that's happened in the cosmos, right? And other people have better memories than me. And when I'm writing a paper that very strongly relies on a hypothesis that really, really dumb, out-of-bound stuff happens all the time as soon as you have a lot of change in production... I can't remember all the dumb shit that's happened. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to write. So I mean, you're asking. You're also asking about secret. If my 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 one knowledgeable. If I if anybody asked me about secret, I would go to Schultz. So yeah, like yeah, exactly. that would made sense, right? Like that's exactly yeah, yeah, who you exactly. go to. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Like, was if like, somebody like, asked like, me like, about Juno, I, I go I go to you. <laughs> like, and then I hide under a rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um. So we did. So okay. Before we move, before I move on to my actual question, right? Uh, yeah. We we actually, I guess, did break the news that that Reese had left Juno because that came out the other day during the week, didn't it? It um, did. I thought we didn't we we heard that, but it wasn't formalized or we heard we it, it wasn't so formalized. Like that. And then I couldn't. I didn't see mention of it uh, in for for reasons uh several core juno chats became a bit messy for a little bit and also i don't know if whatever things things were difficult yeah. to follow or disappeared entirely for a bit there and a number of chats like have been either archived or deleted um since the charts are coming in as well so yeah. keeping track of anything like if you didn't check it like twice a day was actually like a bit messy there for a second but anyway so you know f- fair enough rama was breaking news. oh there you go in the chat rama breaking news before it's public yep uh, that that ended up happening um so but my question about ethereum was how do you actually know when uh because obviously like in cosmos you know you get told when there's a software upgrade uh mm-hmm. either by watching a github repo or more likely in a discord channel correct ethereum is like a really big deal right so it will be on Coin Telegraph or or wherever. It shows but like up. efficiently, mm-hmm. efficiently, mm-hmm. how are people supposed to pay attention to binary upgrades? I don't know. Like we 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 have we're on a couple forums and things like that that are like basically publicized, right? From from teams. Um, the GitHub repo is probably the best source of that because we watch for releases on specific things for like Geth or other types of areas. Um, and then it's a lot of like communication around it. But and then eventually you forget about that and your note stops. Is really how that works. Like no different than Cosmos. When the mode stops and major duty goes off, then you know, <laughs> you're like, "Oh shit!" Because there's something going on. But like Although, how, those things can be. Like they're much more painful group. though. Do you have like a support group where you then go and go and find yeah. out what the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah, basically, yeah, same type of thing. Like you, you hear about, and plus they're they're so like, I'll they're so far out too. Usually, like those are like months, right? They're, it's not like they're yeah. not announcing it for seven days. Like it's not like a Cosmos upgrade, right? Like or something like that. Usually especially fork like like those are through through the test nets and then and then obviously through mainnet might take two or three months by the time yeah, that all so happens like my other thing about so bear in mind like the last time i had to run an ethereum node was on a laptop in 2012 i should really check whether i actually successfully mined any shouldn't i let's put yeah. a pin in that you let's should, put a pin you in should, that you should. i'm yeah. pretty sure that laptop is somewhere on the i know I, I have hard drives here i know i have bitcoin on them that's fun yeah <laughs> that something just occurred to me it's like no when i was away i'm sure it's dusk. i'm sure it's dust because i was mining it like on a 386 back in the day or something or four i was mining it on a, a two core sony via laptop yeah i probably had it on so, there. you know i'm sure there's hundreds of uh hundreds of of of, of eth on that that would have been it was, more like it was i was in this house 2014? so it must have been I, it must have been like yeah, I think I don't know, 2014, maybe 15, something in there. 
Is that, yeah. that seems, is that right? That seems like it was that earlier be, than that. That would be far enough along that it would have been really hard to mine. It seems like it. What, when did it, when did that start? 2012? 2013? 2013, I think. Ethereum. Is that what it was? Jesus. It seems like it was even, Bitcoin before Ethereum. It's weird that it feels like that's Ethereum, but it's weird that it feels like it should be older than that. Like that's not that long ago. Like that it seems it's like quite that a while is, ago. I feel old. like like I years? was young when Ethereum came out. I'm old now. <laughs> yeah. Um I was but, old uh, then. <laughs> cough, cough, cough. Uh, and so, so, but obviously like, that's that's kind of viable um now. But like yeah, I I I guess I guess if it wasn't for the fact that it was so high profile, they'd probably have to come up with like a more formalized release process, wouldn't they, of some kind? Um Sure. But yeah. so so my question what's, what's my the question, history? Yeah, what's the question? Dumb question was um as somebody who's like literally like I say not run the software in in 10 years probably, if not yeah, it would have to be 10 years, maybe just under 10 years. Um so most ethereum upgrades right to mm-hmm. chain state i suppose are described as ho- as forks or hard forks right mm-hmm. i mean there are upgrades yeah. that occur within there that are non-breaking that that yeah, yeah, might yeah. provide some sort of whatever whatever so like the normal type of upgrade is like the cos- in cosmos we call that like a non-consensus breaking change right you just update the binary keep trucking mm-hmm hard fork is that the node will halt because it cannot reach consensus is that yes that's the definition but the the chain itself is well i guess they don't really have they don't really have chain metadata in the same way do they they just because you're just appending blocks so what they call a hard fork is not it's a fork in terms of the software version but it's not actually a hard fork in terms of the chain i mean you have to upgrade the binary in order for the validate for the for the miners to continue mm-hmm. but so, so that was that, that's obviously like the difference between eth classic and the other eth was the state because you know the binary changes it has state change it causes state changes when the binary changes and it moves on right yeah but but now it's eth proof of stake has there been a difference in that mechanism like the upgrade mechanism basically how software upgrades happen has that changed since the merge or is it still functionally the same like when you do an upgrade a binary upgrade you can rewrite state you can do jiggery pokery but the obviously the chain remains the same it's not like a hard fork in the sense of cosmos where typically it means the identifier of the chain is changing because it's completely i think it's still probably forks like with the proof of work previously like if some people upgraded and some didn't then it would fork I, i guess it's probably still the same whereas like if you know, certain amount of the validator power upgrades and a certain amount doesn't, then, you know, do they just both continue on their own forks or because do you have to have a, yeah, but like, do you have to have, you know, so say if uh, 60% of the people move on to a new, to the new fork and like 40% don't, then what happens? I don't know. uh, Yeah. Well, I think you can't continue a fork until you have consensus, right? Well, you used to be able to with proof of work. You just wouldn't upgrade, right? Yeah, I mean, with proof of work, you just keep adding blocks because that was the basis of attacks, wasn't it? Because you could you could privately pre-mine a number of blocks and then um, you know wait wait until uh, watching who you thought was about to submit. Like, there's a whole bunch of game theory on this, isn't there? Basically, of how much you would. I think it's the answer is two. Like the most number of blocks you would want to pre-mine and not broadcast before probabilistically another miner 
would probably have found the solution and you won't get the reward um by being sort of semi-byzantine i think it's two because i was i read a paper on this some time ago it was like an old paper obviously it was like a it was a paper on attack vectors in bitcoin and it then was used in mining pools but uh, sorry in um ethereum but then it was used in mining pools but so but but my question is like yeah when when you move to proof of stake surely you can't really have two uh separate sets of validators essentially doing that like appending new blocks onto forked um versions of the chain state because either you're over consensus power and can add blocks or you're not and the amount of power required to add blocks is not in proof of work you only need one miner to add the block right but in, but in well in most proof of stake there is a le- there's a specific leader that is selected to mine that block because they are participating or deemed to be participating in consensus for that block so either they commit something and everybody agrees on it or they nil vote right and then there's a nil block i mean that's that's really specifically tendermint but most a lot of proof of stake systems work in this conceptually in the same way they have a leader of some kind there is a proposer right um and that's kind of quite different from proof of work so that's why i'm kind of curious as to like whether there's like something mechani- uh, in like protocol or mechanism, like there must be something. I guess it's changed, but like as an operator, has it changed at all, or is it just like whatever, man? Uh, we're not a validator, so I I can't really speak from that side of it. So well, I guess you're just run- you're running a node, aren't you? Just for archive state, right? We we run a ton of RPC nodes, yeah. But but yeah, okay. but again, that that's that's not the same thing as what you're mentioning. So maybe to answer my question, we will need to club together whatever it is, thirty two ETH. Uh, we can, yeah. Yeah, just, do it up. Just, 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 just like let's fucking go. Well, DVT yeah. is that's the new hotness now. The new is, hotness, DVT, yeah. uh, like a distributed, distributed validator, validator structure where you can build a small quorum of four nodes with twenty five percent each, and three of those have to be in the in the pool or in the. I guess three of those have to sign to be able to sign the block, and so they're trying to get yeah, away you, from. You create it's it's almost like a Horcruxy type of situation where you have oh. like four nodes run, but the, the so the the uh, you shard know, the key right? Yeah, you shard the key, but the the whole um, motivation behind it is that like smaller organizations can band together and run validators together, and that you can have further decentralization by having unrelated entities running hardware for the same validators. Like you might have. Um, say us three run hardware through DVT, but still deliver like a thousand validators. Yeah. So, um, it's just that you know, if my cluster of shit goes down, then hopefully your two clusters of shit pick up the slack. Right. And then you get like further decentralization of it. This is like a classic example of where being out of ETH means I had no idea that 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 was a thing, but Mm -hmm. I literally. How that's I'm guessing that's relatively recent, like as last, a, last oh, the last year, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. it's Obol and SSV. We've run some SSV nodes in the past, and yeah, yeah so Obol um, are actually, um, they were targeting the <coughs> the uh Cosmos, um, as well to to use their type of um architecture in the Cosmos, too. How would you do that? With, how would you do that with distributed proof of stake, though? It's not like you have validators with a specific amount. 
Not that I wouldn't mind that. Like, no, it no, nice it's just, it, it is but. still like it, the, it would have the traditional staking model. It's just that, you know, instead of using a Horcrux type setup, you would use whatever the fuck the OBOL um, architecture is to like shard the key and have multiple, um, you know, operators run the same validator. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. This is, uh, this is funny because like um there was this discussion basically about how um nobody like in the stuff that i'm working on like there hadn't been like a huge amount of thought on how there's an entity called a relayer which basically it's just a vector for directing hashes where hashes are the proofs that a payment event happened in the past even though there's actually no metadata because it's private but mm -hmm like it's a blind proof so all that's happened is the proof has happened a new merkle root gets created and that hash gets appended to a packet of hashes that will result in a new merkle root that conceptually is a block but it could be like it could literally be at the end of the working day you would collect every single hash in the system um that has transacted that day because all the payments clear straight away the second you have the blind proof you can okay. pass out of the boundary of the system and and get fiat, right? But you your hash is integrity at a distance, so it's it's another entity, uh, another conceptually another key has to say, yo, I, I I recognize this proof. It has come from the system. It is a thing. I am issuing it, and then it gets redeemed back through that thing. That that essentially is the relay, and all it's really doing is that thing which is done by a cryptography library and then it just depends a hash right so pretty simple piece of software however hmm. if it goes down the party stops right so the the blockchain all of the so there is a, there's a ledger it could be a blockchain it could be whatever the, the party all of the stuff with the hashes and everything only matters if at the end of the day you you're curious about uh, as the person who assigned over um funds you just need the hash to prove you did the thing because if you have the the proof and the hash, you yeah, okay. Nobody else. It, it it's just garbage data for everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. The important thing is if the relayer goes down, you're basically it's the same as a chain hole, right? But the who run more than one entity needs to run a relayer, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It would probably be banks or money service businesses. Um, there might be eight of them or ten of them or something, and there was this this like real casualness about it, like, oh yeah, you just would you know use the the relayer for your bank or something, and it's like, well, but the whole what the whole there's a whole bunch of stuff here, like right, which is that the design is supposed to prevent metadata leak to your bank or to Visa, right, for privacy reasons, mm -hmm. and yeah, they can't see. Uh, they can see that the proof has been created, right? But they can't see anything else. So yeah, you get that. But there's a whole bunch of stuff there. And also like the idea that your money becomes uh, non-fungible because like some system goes down is like a bit of a bummer. And I know that does happen with, re with regular banks and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, you know, this has to be more resilient. The whole sell for this is it's more resilient than what you got, which is an old COBOL mainframe in most places, right? And um there's this whole other thing where technically actually the relayer could literally be a bunch of students like running it on a laptop all you need to know is that, how to address the relayer right um because all it's doing is is transmitting hashes right uh, there's no security involved from the the operator side other than the node is down 
Um, and everybody was just super casual about this. And so I was just like, this, this is absolute insanity. It should just be a threshold signature then or something. Uh, cause it's just a public key, but imagine if like, yeah, if any of these, ra- if the idea, cause that's like a whole thing. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, loads of people would run these and it's like, okay, first of all, I don't think anyone's going to run them with an, an economic incentive. But second of all, if you're assuming that like, yeah, a bunch of random institutions and things would run them like universities and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of design around, do you even need to know which relayer you're addressing? It could just be like, whatever's closest, whatever's ping is best, whatever. And you're like, okay, so I just happen to make a transaction. It goes to the nearest relayer and it's a bunch of students mucking around running on a laptop and then my payment gets locked. That's quite bad. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, this, like the D, basically the DVT design is, is, I was just like, well, why don't you just do something like that? But I didn't realize that the Ethereum literally does that. It's cool. Or, yeah, that's well, pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. I, I like that. I like, I like threshold signing in general. Uh, yeah, is pretty cool in terms of like distributing like a- actual decentralization in practice i think um like the idea of having subgraphs of validators is pretty fucking neat uh, it's like whole it's a whole other world i mean the whole idea of being able to run like 100 validators on one box and those types of things like it's just uh you know well i think for regulated uh use cases it's really fucking clever actually because if you think mm-hmm. about it like as a company we'd be we'd feel we'd feel complex about a heavily regulated market like entering that like you'd have to guarantee your profitability the amount of hurdles and things you need to jump over in order to get into those markets there's a whole bunch of stuff which is actually somewhat complex there but you could reduce both like the risks to the consumer and the regulatory overhead in some senses by saying well okay like what if you just get three random entities at a minimum in the software to actually run this Suddenly, it's like okay, your your loss of your risk of loss of funds is very very low with a very small amount of regulation, which is simply, right? Are these real companies? Do they understand infrastructure rather than like you know a mass of red tape? I mean, I know that's probably not how it would pan out, but I think there is like because like, I'm having to try and think about technology solutions and policy, I suppose, at the same time, and so I quite like anything a lot of these kind of threshold signing and subgraph things like i think are really quite nice in terms of saying mm-hmm. like the big self i think we talked about a lot like our, our fucking dao is a great example of the big cell of this technology which is multilateral entities right that are yeah it could be anything multiple organizations whatever but just pragmatism trying to get a thing done get somebody paid get some voting done whatever right right um and I think like it's kind of really cool to conceptualize like validation and infrastructure provision for like, you know, important things where there might be loss of funds, like loss of real money, fiat money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like think about how you could build out something that's like multilateral like that. Like the three of our organizations could run a relayer. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, you know, it's just a it's just a public key. And you know, you might be you know, switching Kanga bucks or freedom bucks or um queenie bucks whatever oh no she's dead king bucks king bucks yeah. king bucks isn't that isn't that your company I, I hold some of those those things are worth nothing i hear they're just like <laughs> governance tokens or some shit is that right yeah, yeah pretty sure oh, I've seen the, the reddit for i have that, that? i'm not happy about it king i think i have that yeah there's a bit of, bit of that shit floating around <laughs> i swear i have some is the king dao i i'm pretty sure i like i might have had a couple of king tokens for the king dao is the I king dao a thing it is. Yeah, it's King Dao. It's been hijacked a couple of times. When's the airdrop? When are you going to list King? 
Aren't there a bunch of <laughs> you get? And weren't there yeah. a, weren't there a few from? Oh, yeah, there's there's like nine King Dows up down. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, identity huge issue. Yeah. Uh yeah. There's um, I, I don't think we can talk about it yet because it's not been announced. But there's a there's a quite interesting thing happening on one of the the chains we work on um around that, which is interesting. Or are all these you? <laughs> I've I've created nine king note king 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 dows. big balls big balls king nodes dows. Cool story, man. Thanks for that. This might be this <laughs> might be a uh, this might actually this this looks like an issue or an error because they all kind of have the same total supply and some other things. So this must be something else. Well, maybe I thought just, you did have uh, some. I thought you did have a uh, somebody made one up to make it look like ears or something though. Could be wrong. I don't know. Don't know. Um. So do you guys recall how like, you know, during the bull market, the last bull market, everyone was always like sort of last week, you mean? Yeah. No, I mean like the last, last one. Oh, okay. The one before that. Ages ago. Yeah. Everyone was always sort of like complaining about the, uh, the cost to make a proposal. Remember that? Everyone's always yeah, like, oh, sure. you got to make it cheaper so the plebs can make proposals for, I don't know, fucking community <laughs> spins or whatever. The plebs. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> So this week I made a proposal for a software upgrade on um, DYDX, right? Yeah. And that shit is expensive. It cost me fucking six grand to- Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, isn't it, was it 5,000 DYDX or something? 2,000 DYDX, which when I bought- You get, them, you get back. that proposal up. Yeah, but you yeah. know, you've got price risk in that time. But, but what I mean is like, it is a fair amount of- um, I'm going to say it's a fair amount of risk because, you know, what if you get vetoed for some reason? What if there's a I, bug I, in the software and they're like, you didn't veto. <laughs> yeah, because you, you get it back on the note, right? You just don't get it back on the veto. Yeah, you get it back yeah. on a no, but not a veto. Yeah. I think yeah. there may be some provision that if if it doesn't get deposited fully, you might also lose it. Oh, meaning if you don't if you don't meet the deposit? That might yeah, be the, that actually might be the case. I is that right? I think that, I'm not 100 no, percent sure. No. If that's the case, I think that's a bug. I think you get it back if you don't if you don't meet the deposit threshold, you get your money back. Or can you can you is there a command to undeposit? If if you don't meet the deposit, can you can you pull that just can you pull that amount? But there's no time on that, right? Because there's no period. No, there is. There is. It's like there is. Yeah. There's oh, a deposit it's period. Long, right, though. Right. It's like it's long. <laughs> the deposit yeah. period, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The deposit period yeah. is like okay, three must come back. days, isn't it? Well, do it on Juno and check it out. <laughs> Got Juno to burn. Juno. Yeah. yeah. So, so what of Juno now? Yeah. What's Reese, happen? Reese is gone. Reese yeah. has bailed. So what's you know, what's what's the future look like there? Who's steering the ship? Yeah. Who's Rama steering the ship? Who's the? Is there anybody work? Is there anybody working? Like so, there's like there is the the Dow now, right? The charter. Like yeah. So what is has has the charter done anything besides fire everyone or? <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't follow it. Just just reading the comments from fucking Rama. Um, someone someone said it's time to Cerberus Juno Ben Davis. Oh, <laughs> Rama says it's in the charter's hands now. <laughs> it's, in, it's in God's hands now. Um, yeah, wash our hands of that. Uh, yeah, I think I I think I'm definitely going to leave the. Uh, 
I'm still in like I'm still part of the um, delegations now. I'm going to leave that now. I think and just let that ship sail itself. Are you it, what are you what are you spinning down your validator? Or are you no, say- no. I was part of the delegations DAO. Oh, the delegations like, DAO. Sorry. I th- I, yeah, but I last time, it. the last time we did a round on that, it took hundreds of fucking hours of my time. And <laughs> I remember you complaining about it quite. Yeah. Intensely. Yeah, it does sound like something I'd complain about, but like you know, all the all the fucking applications are all like half of them are just total bullshit, and you have to go through them. It's fuck, it takes forever. Um, and, and you ignored people didn't even fill out the form. It's really annoying. I purposely yeah. did not fill out the form, thinking that that would make it a differentiator. Well, right? UN UN's notional. Uh, purposely we bought, didn't we, fill out the form. We bought, we bought. Thinking that you would get a big delegation. <laughs> yeah, I thought you would appreciate it. I didn't add anything to your pile. Yeah. And yeah. then you stiffed me. I was like, what the um, hell, man? Unfortunately, I made your life not, easier. Wasn't, it doesn't well, work that, that way. Huh? Wasn't that post Prop 16, anyways? There wasn't a huge amount of money to be made. <laughs> no, it was, last, it was last year or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which is yeah. post Prop 16. Yeah. Yeah. Deep in it's, the bear um, market. Post 16. Yeah. So. There's a whole right. So uh, I was writing a thing on economic finality the other day, and the the premise of economic finality is obviously like you know proof of stake and stuff like it's money stakers secure uh, finality via staking and then you know reaching a threshold of that and then happy days right. And the the mm-hmm. flip side of the coin of that is soft slashing right the slasher, which stops validators from being down. And then, you know, hard slashing is kind of a, a slightly different mechanism, right? But like economic finality assumes that bad behavior or by anti behavior will usually be public, punished economically. And what I realized, if you like, go, go look at a graph of Juno's all-time high, which was like the day of or the day before 16 got published. It was right about there, yeah. And then what happens until it's resolved, right? Which it... it it, it, it bottoms out, stabilizes for a bit, and then you know the rest of the bull market, uh, the rest of the bear market takes over when Terra crashes, right? But the problem is there's only one data point, right? So I don't think you can make this argument other than as a potential case study. But it it, it kind of suggests that actually um, proof of stake isn't quite as flaky as I think I often suggest it is, because actually a Byzantine event occurred which was out of band of the software and the protocol and the chain was economically punished like consensus was consensus finality everything was was published was punished economically so i know that's like a a social factor because it happened via market spirits but i mean also everything's fucking social so but like it's kind of interesting that like the system might have worked as intended but like the the developers and the of the system thought it would only be defended by code, and it turns out it did work as intended. And in terms of economic mechanism, it worked as economically intended. But it was just you know YOLO. It's just the market that did that. But isn't isn't that it's correlation causation type of thing? Like like I don't think sixteen really impacted price, did it? Do you think? Do you think you know? people were? I think it was highly coincident with the wider market crash. I, I don't know if it. I, I don't know. It was such a shit show at the time that I don't, I mean, I don't think it's, it's a stable enough asset where even then people look at it and go, well, this is, this is a shit show. So I don't believe in its future. Like that was, it was a little bit too degen for that. Right. 
So yeah, I think- it would be it would be interesting to see because obviously everything would be possibly would be correlated to some extent with with Bitcoin or whatever. Um, but it would be interesting to see a graph of all the Cosmos chains during that same period and see down what- only baby. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. It, it would have, it would have something like this. Yeah, sure. It would have all yeah. been down from like March fifteenth onwards, or whatever, whenever it was that we hit peak yeah. and then started coming down. But it would be interesting to see very, like, more closely uh, what the trend was across all those chains. Maybe this is something I'm going to have to spreadsheet out at some point because it might actually be pertinent. It's kind of not pertinent to my research. It's just I'm kind of curious. I think that's the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I it was I think it was such a I mean that that event while while significant in a in this little ecosystem at a macro level didn't make any difference. I think it was all just market, right? Like Terra Terra was such a fucking disaster that I think it it dragged everything. Sure, but Terra did happen after Juno had already bottomed. Yes. No. Yep. After it bottomed? Well, it's a what do you state mean after it bottomed? It around like 15th of May there's about thereabouts like it stopped the kind of like just it kind of like leveled off and then like terror hit <laughs> and then the rest of cosmos decided to take a, a bullet to the forehead mm, well that would be interesting to know what during and when was 16 16 was like march right march 14 well, we, we were we were on the show so we, and it wasn't early it was an early episode but but we were episode, no 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 so three or four or five happened before the podcast started oh okay it must have yeah. been pretty damn close. Yeah, we started the podcast. We we already said we were going to do our first episode, and we were trying to work out when to do it. Yeah. When Prop 16 happened. So I think the first episode was two weeks after Prop 16, something like that. Right, because we did that whole that, that whole live stream of Null's fucking console for two and a half hours. Yeah, that, that was that the Unity prop upgrade? That, no, that, that might have been Cyber Attack. That was the Cyber Attack. Oh, okay. Which was like right in the middle of that, right? Because that's when we had a, April yeah, 8th yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. a couple of weeks after. So that was in the middle of that as well. And then yeah. 18, and then, yeah. Like car crash after car crash, and then you get out of the car, and then there's a fucking another it's, one coming. It's, there's it's, another it's, one. It's, it's, the headlights like, uh, are right in your face. No, no, it's Sideshow Bob with the rakes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, we should probably move on from you now. But hey, you know what? I think it's, I, I, I think. Look, the only thing about the the charter thing, I think I've said in the past, like I hope the charter folks are able to make a go of it. It's gonna be a big uphill struggle, right? Let's not be about the bush. But I think if the founding people involved in the chain wanted to rug Juno and then smoke bomb and disappear, I don't think there's a more effective way you could do it than by handing over to a charter of people and being like yay democracy and then just disappearing into onto the into the sunset it was amazing i mean that, that like if you were going to do like the playbook of how to abrogate yourself from responsibility and that would be exactly that would be the abc of it would be oh hand over to a, gem- a democratic group they'll do it better than on we twitter will. yeah <laughs> Let's only talk on Twitter. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the only so forum. Luck, <laughs> it's the Web3 forum, man. It is. It is. Checking out Juno Mint Scan. Oh, yeah. There's still validators. Cool. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> am I not getting page duty alerts because the chain has already halted? No, the chain's still going. <laughs> no, we, we sorted that out. We've 
our our monitoring, me and Serp, has like little wingdings in it that alert you when things stop altogether. If 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 the, no dings. response, no response, you get a little tickle. Yeah, <laughs> you get a little tickle that fucking causes pain, and then you yep. like you mean shudder a little bit, and then read your phone, and then throw it at the wall. My little yeah, my little RPC tickler. I was just looking at that actually has has a hundred and twelve nodes. <laughs> so things have things have really progressed over here. So. The other day, well, just yesterday, I think it was, um, you and me, Serp, got jailed on uh, that testnet, um, Barachain. Yeah, yesterday. Because, because of that um, upgrade. And there's, Which, only a, you got, there's only a 100 blocks window. I think you got to hit 50%. But we hit the upgrade. So what I heard was that I, I was ready for it. And then I think not enough folks were. The consensus moved forward on the old, on the oh, old, the old binary. binary. And then it halted. I got the alert for the halt, which I thought was the upgrade, but it was very quick. They pushed out a new binary, and then my whatever I was running was was I was out of consensus, and so then I got jailed. I was like, "What the fuck?" I followed directions. Come on, yeah, me, me too. And yeah. the alert, I, the alert I got when I got jailed was fucking jarring. And there was like three of them because there's an unbonding alert, a jail alert, and a stall right. alert all came through at the same time. It was like. <laughs> it's like within eight seconds. Fucking hell! <laughs> I don't think I have. Um, I don't think I have testnet alerts. I mean, I, I get pinged on things, but I don't have it going to PagerDuty where it, it, you know, where it, the yakety sax is all over me. I'm trying to avoid so that shit. I've been working on like how to actually filter the ones that I don't want, and I, I did experiment previously to just exclude the tag of um, testnet. testnet. Mm-hmm. But then there are some test nets that are actually important. So yeah. now uh, I'm think I'm just going to put a, a little boolean tag of DGAF true false. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and just default to false, and then you can or default yeah, to true default or whatever. False. Yeah, well, it'll it'll um so it'll just if if the tag's not set to true, it'll <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe do a maybe do a GAF tag. Don't do the double negative. <laughs> I don't yeah. don't don't give a fuck. I, I don't I don't not not give a fuck. Wait. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> yeah, the gaff the gaff tag. The gaff tag. Yeah. yeah. Default to false. Default, default to don't. To true. No, the give gaff. a fuck would be default off. Default on. Oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> that, that describes both of our node operations <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely. Uh, We've the got GAFs are off on live <laughs> So how many um, nodes did you say you're you're running now? Well, sir? there's a hundred there's 112 in here, but but that's because each chain on if it's that's like each individual chain on a node. So some obviously some nodes run much more than that, but some nodes run one. So well, there's hundred there's hundred and twelve there's hundred and twelve <laughs> node representations of a chain that are running. Yeah, this. I was gonna say I think you're muddling uh nodes and servers. Oh I mean, yeah, servers. I don't know. Servers has got to be. I, I I guarantee we run. We have to be running sixty outside of outside of the data center. There's a shitload. Fifty last last year. That was probably like what zero. It was five. Pro- well, out of the data center, out of the data center, we've probably yeah. It, in 2022, it was probably like five. And then last year, yeah, added a bunch. Right, added a lot. Started yeah. doing, and then more we keep adding like- more. 
Yeah. So well, would, I mean, the a issue lot with, of those would be yeah. like Chainlink and stuff like that, right? No, Chainlink's all in the data center. Actually, that's true. All, all, all the all the other nodes, all the L ones that we run are outside, but but both actually they're both inside and outside. But most of the stuff is RPC. It's all like Asia, Europe, whatever else for RPC for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Asia's a pain, man. It, it is. is. It's expensive. But fifty yeah. or sixty nodes, like that's a. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 So, but. <laughs> Yeah, like what's yeah. the what would be the breakdown of that? Like in terms of um, ecosystems, uh, like is most of that cosmos mm, ecosystem? Well, what do you define as cosmos? Well, sorry, anything that's running like a SDK node. But I just I just remembered that you have a lot of those would be tied up with the MetaMask thing, right? Yes, and then also Stargaze is in there. And um, mm. how many same. nodes would you? How many separate servers would you have for? Stargaze. Stargaze, is all, Stargaze is all individual. They don't run anything else. They just run Stargaze. Uh, Stargaze right now, well, we're, I'm just moving nodes because we're transferring. What I'm trying to do over there is we have, we've used OVH in our past um, in the US and in Europe. And we've also had it in Asia, which we removed. And in Western, we had two actually groups in, in the US. But honestly, th- that team has done so much work, like the number of RPC requests continue to fall. Um, so... And, and honestly, the latency is pretty good, so we haven't we haven't added any more additional um, regions. But anyway, so it's in US and it's in Europe, and then um, and then we we're about OVH on both, and then what we've been doing. Plus, we run archives, which are separate. But but and then I've been trying to get away from just being at one provider. So in the US, we've added another provider. We moved it. We're we're migrating a node there for IPFS, and then Europe and Germany, we've also migrated to another provider, not Hetzner, another a third party, which actually I'm really enjoying so far. Um, and then, so now I have load balancers and in, in just today, actually, we have load balancers in uh, two separate network segments on both continents. So if anybody goes down, like OVH Europe goes down, everything's fine, right? We're still serving. Um, and the same thing here in the US. Um, and so we'll move off OVH completely, probably, because uh, I have a couple of their providers we've been using that I've been happy with. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with them. I just think they're a little bit overpriced and, and, um, and this, this, I mean, the sportsman. Okay. So, um, and actually we might, who knows, we might keep a couple of those, but it's nice. I like having like in those situations, like we have, so we have six nodes at that serve RPC for, for Stargaze, including IPFS archives. And, um, we do image manipulation, a bunch of other things. So there's six nodes that do all that. And then we have two archive nodes, um, which will go down to one archive node, which I just moved also. Um, I just moved that one as well. Why so, are you dropping down that to one? Just because of the backup strategy now or? Yeah, we've always had a backup strategy, um, but um, we have, yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. I mean, honestly, we take we take before we were taking biweekly, but now we take a weekly backup and we push that to an archive like B two. Um, so we know that those blocks exist. Uh, I know I know Jorge runs another one as well. So there's there is two within Stargaze. I just run one of those two, um, and then we provide those archives out if teams need them and things like that. So how big is the Stargaze? 4.4 um, terabytes. Okay. After Zip. what, two years? After, yeah. I, what was it? Um, October September 21? No, it was after Osmosis, wasn't it? <clears throat> Osmosis yeah. was October, wasn't it? I think it was December 21, something like that. Maybe November 21. I can look at, actually, I could just bring up. Osmosis the, was spring 21, no? Uh, I don't know. I can, I can actually, just, I could just check the status. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, compared to other ones, it's not too bad. It's getting, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's big. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, so 
say is already how long have we been running? Eight months? Uh I would no, I don't think it's that long. Wasn't it like a didn't we go mainnet in like Oh well, that's right. There was mainnet, and there was like the actual visibility of mainnet. We we launched mainnet, I thought, in May, and I think it went public like in October or September. That sound right? August, maybe. It was a it was a bunch of months it ran with nobody knowing, right? Yeah. Well, regardless, it's it wouldn't be it would be less than a year. Definitely still. less than a year. Yeah, probably uh, nine months, something like that. And it is already like twelve terabytes or something, thirteen. Oh, really? Big. Actually, I thought it would have been longer than that, or larger than that. Well, I thought it was like three terabytes be, a month. It could be fourteen. It, so, I the way my I can't I don't really know because mine's compressed uh, in ZFS, so it doesn't tell me a real file size. It only tells me the um, yeah the compressed size. So, uh, which you get about seems to be about twenty percent improvement in storage when you have. Uh, but I mean, you lose that in ZFS anyway with the overhead. So. Yeah, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, but it's yeah. good to claw a little bit of that back because those drives are fucking expensive. Um, yeah, plus, I mean, I mean, Stargaze, I mean, the one great thing about that chain is also it's very low, it's low um, resource requirement. So, like, we could run it. I mean, we run it on a fast box and it's on NVMEs now, but, but like, it could run on SSDs and it would be fine. You know what I mean? Like, it could, it could lag a little bit. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah, I think, it's not a huge deal. I'd say, yeah. like, well, we'll see. Are you going to re, I, I meant to ask you, are you going to re, um, are you going to resync from Genesis when they change the CDB? So I've been talking with the engineers like a little while ago, and yeah. I can do that. There's a couple of like upgrades. There are a bit of like some doozy upgrades in there. I can't remember if there's like some non. Oh, they're concerned about those. Well, I mean, they won't. Oh, yeah, I you, am. Shit, you would not be able to actually, right? Because you'd have to. They'd have to support that all the way back from block one. That might be really difficult. Yeah, I'd have to look at the upgrade path to see if it's possible. But um, I think so. You would be able to make an upgrade handler or something, uh, some software to actually transform the database. I would assume. Mm. So we have talked about it to see, but at the time it was still early days, so probably yeah. worth revisiting. Um, but they said there would be a lot of space improvement. Um, yeah, yeah. So. we're we're running it right now on Atlantic two um, on a on our validator nodes just just because we're they asked we're just messing with it and everything else and that that's been it's significantly different like so not how, so much from data. How did you now run SayDB? Is it just an option and it's built it's, in, or is, do, it's is in it three, extra it's in, software you need to install? It's in three six one, so it'll be active on mainnet tomorrow. Although it'll take some time, obviously for testing and configuration those types of things and it's just it's just some config structure within there and so i just resync both i have a couple of validator nodes that are in horcrux and i just sync them all on state sync and then they're on they're on pebble which is which has been great so and my, my feedback was been like it's been it's really it's been it's taken really nothing like it, was, it took me like one configuration change and i resync thing they were done in like five minutes um well so you don't well, need to install any additional software no uh, no nope. okay i the binary um, it just, it, you only, and the only thing I saw was like, like Ram and CPU, all that seemed exactly the same. And then my disk utilization went from like 25% to seven, like just, mm, okay. just dropped yeah. all the way down. And then, and then those are all, they do, they still have pruning on those. So I left them as, cause they're RPC as well. So I just left the pruning on and now they're default. I think they printed a hundred thousand blocks or something. Um, and yeah, I can see that bump, but it's not like the old days. Like I couldn't even, I can't even run pruning on say, mainnet nodes like i don't i they're all archives right now because 
like when that pruning hits, like RPC slows down, I can see it in the drives. Like, I don't want that. I just want fast response all the time. So I just, that's the reason we have so many nodes. Um, so maybe that will help long-term in terms of the amount of nodes that need to support, you know, requests and those types of things. Yeah. It's kind of cool. That is interesting. Yeah. Have you been using load shedding yet on, um, on Cloudflare? Uh, no, I don't use it. No. Mm. no okay. I just, I mean, I, I don't do it not, not between regions. And then within, within HA proxy, I, I balance, I can balance across regions. I can do that, but I, I usually only if I can do that on max connections, um, but I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather have HA proxy. Just if that has to happen, I'd rather have HA, um, just queue the request and then serve it as it needs, as it can, um, versus yeah. trying to have it shut out to something else. I don't want to do all that. And that's like, that would be like 50,000 requests a second or more. Like that's fucking, that's crazy DGen. <laughs> so you reckon a, a region is probably good for about 30,000 or something like that? A what? A region? For, uh, a region? I think... No, I think us, I mean, it's different because the number of TCP connections that are open at one time to the node, we limit to, I, I actually say, I think we limit to like 5,000 concurrent maybe per node, but that is way more than transactions per second because the transactions are so fast or, or requests. So mm. what that actually serves is way higher than that. So I'm all I'm limiting is TCP connections. That's all I'm limiting. Yeah. And then those will, those will queue on the, on the balancers. And each yeah. balancer serves half. So like there's like a lot of headroom. You know what I mean? Um, and even on even on those large mints, I, I might see a thousand or more connections back up for like for like one spot on each and one like one hit, and then after that they're gone. Like they're fine. Like so it's within it's it's within seconds. Maybe you can limit those per um server, by the way. That's what I do. If you have stronger servers, you can actually individually specify the TCP limit. That's what I do. That's oh, what I okay. do. It's, I at, the, it's at the server level. The way I heard that, I thought it was global. No, um, well, I global on the HA proxy side, like how many can total come in, which is higher because I want to queue. And then, because otherwise it'll reject, like it'll reject them, um, which I don't want because then that comes back as a 500 to the client because Cloudflare gets it. And then and you can control it at the, at the individual level, yeah. So you could have like the, the individual um, backends with, TCP limits and then a global limit for the queue, and That's then and then you could load shed to other regions if it fills up. You could, yeah, yeah. you can do that in HA. Like you could say, because I have backups on even on the nodes that are in region. So if all those nodes are down, it'll still redirect it to somewhere else. And you can do that based on load too. You could say if these are full, then then send send some to North America if I'm in Europe. Yeah, find that another home. Fucking suffers, request. Suffers fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much shit there. All the help yeah, I'm, support. I'm, I'm support glad these you can move to our proxy. All the support uh, these DGens. It's I mean, amazing. It's so uh, yeah, the the mints, right? It's all about the mints. It's all about support the mints. The mints. <laughs> That's right. All right, you guys going to talk about about the news, Adam? Time for the listeners want to know the chat. When the chat is restless. the detailed coverage of Adam Wars? I don't even know what that is. So it's perfect time for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I, neither do I. Do you, the fray? <laughs> I mean, I've read about it in the in the spreadsheet while you guys were talking about HA proxy, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, 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 fucking, I mean, it sounds like a party. Reverse, that's all I know. <laughs> reverse reverse proxies. Uh, I never man. Um, <laughs> I don't know, cheers. man. <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> 
<laughs> this is one of those things that I can't trigger. Um, nope. But yeah, so I read uh, I read <laughs> I read a thread on it while you guys were talking about HA proxy, and I, I, I wouldn't say I'm hugely the wiser. Um, <laughs> All right, you guys working out? <laughs> yeah. See, you, man. So, right here is. Here's my attempt at summarizing what the Atom Wars thing is, right? So if you lock up some Atom for a longer period of time, you can have boosted decision-making power over uh, which projects get funding from Atom, right? Like through the community pool or is this something else there's a um a uml diagram with lots of boxes on it that explains how the gnomes will collect the underpants and turn it into profit oh um you know whatever this mechanism is but the mechanism is called atom wars and the the war i guess is the projects that want the funding i think i mean it's a bit of a weird thing like it's like yeah let's call it atom wars it's like i mean there's a war in ukraine's war in the I mean, there's always war in the middle east i suppose but you know there's a lot of real wars at the moment and you're just kind of like what a kind of downer name to give it like these projects those doggy dog to bring the to bring ideas to the hub and you're just like well you know maybe like I hate to be that guy, but maybe collaboration is the is the dominant strategy here. Uh, I, don't, I don't know the whole the whole thing's bizarre, right? Okay, so okay, like Rama's Ram. What I'm calling Rama's razor, right? Rama's razor. People are only in crypto to forget about their day job for a bit, have a bit of fun, make a bit of money, right? Web three casino. Rama's razor, right? Never, never, never attribute to higher more evolved thinking what could more adequately be explained by degeneracy okay using rama's razor we might consider why would a random person degen if you will danny degen on the street jimmy smallballs they are going to go to their crypto exchange of choice buy some atom stake it and then lock it up for a longer period of time in order to vote on which projects get funding that sounds like fun am i being thick here i mean th- this is my understanding of the atom wars concept um, I, to me like just quickly brushing up on it, it it looks to me like something more along the lines of was it curve was it curve or yeah with the with the yeah, the, but what, the, what, the, so like you get liquidity back, right? Well, you there was one of those protocols on Ethereum. It seems similar to whatever one it is I'm talking about, where you would you know the, basically want to become a whale in that token so that you could direct the rewards towards your pools. Pretty sure it was yeah, like, yeah. So you have like yeah, you have like a well, I guess like a bonding curve of sorts. Yeah, it was more like you know um, through the DAO and the governance, you could like direct oh, all the um, rewards to your pool. Ben says, uh, "Work well for wind. Wind gauges was was this right? <laughs> that was well, that was same yeah, point. yeah. Does anyone look at those anymore? Is wind Is still wind there? even live? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so this sort of seems like a similar thing where you can take your 
your atoms or you can become an atoms whale to try and boost your project with you know the stronger token of the ecosystem by staking it long time and uh directing those sick sick fundings to your to your project but i don't know like what's what's the point of the why have the extra vote power for locking your shit up like i think the risk is too like the the uh the risk to capital is probably too high for any projects to really want to do that and who as an individual wants to get their fucking jimmy small balls one vote turned into four votes for taking a year of capital risk doesn't really make much fucking sense to me so in the chat uh people are saying you get bribes also known as airdrops for locking from projects well airdrops are bullshit in themselves because they're usually funded by the fucking community themselves they provide their liquidity and then rape themselves so okay there's two there's two different types of airdrops right there's uh there's like the app chain winter airdrops where like somebody had bought a hundred atoms and then they got a hundred Osmo, then they had a hundred Juno. Then, you know, that was, if you were Jimmy Smallballs and you had picked up like, like I still hold a bunch of atom that I picked up when it was like, what a dollar, something like that. Like if you picked up a hundred dollars worth of atom at the beginning of that run and then like, you know, stake to whatever you, you, you know those incentives those additional airdrops would would have added up if you'd sold at the right time uh, to quite a lot of cash i think the thing that i so i, I kind of get it like if that's the the if that's what you're going to get like you get yeah like ben davis says in the chat you get bribes for lock for locking your uh your funds but like you know that that could be a significant chunk of change except that like when has it ever been worth bothering to to take on the risk except in that early period of chain launches like there are some exceptions to this rule of course but a lot of the airdrops that have come along since i mean possibly this is also the speed of execution but i you know we've certainly noticed that by the time we check on a a thing that we have it's usually not particularly profitable especially all of the the cw20 type derivative things uh have not been really really uh worthwhile i want to actually in the chat ben davis has pointed out the tier airdrop okay the tier airdrop uh for some people was was significant um ours wasn't um i don't know why actually i think we should have got well whatever who who knows anyway um relay has oh. got a lot for uh tier maybe that's why because because some of you guys got a significant chunk of change didn't you uh not me specifically but um i know some of the other squad did who are like prolific relayers they prolific prolific relayers got the especially the likes of like crypto crew and stuff like that i think they did quite (laughs) well out of that airdrop but um yeah like the you know the real heavy fucking degen relayers i'm a degen louder i'm a degen even louder i'm a degen It's a new one. <laughs> I'm sure Usurp is going to have fun having to edit that into the uh, audio version of the podcast. Um, well, he, he will be really pissed because <coughs> I used that when he uploaded it and he wanted to use it. So now it's already out there and it's been done. It's been and done. I didn't use it at a great time. So, you know, it's probably going to be like doubly yeah, the pissed. Timing, the timing was not, was not spot on, was it? I mean, the... I did use the term degen before I 
Well, Press but the, the time to do it would have been when we introduced Rama's Razor. And then Oh yeah. Well that's and then said the word DJ and then and then it would have been bam. Done fucked up, man. Slick transition. So um fucking so uh, the other thing uh, you know with with due credit uh to 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 rama's headline writing skills i should probably uh, uh expand a little bit on what on what we've been provided as a heads up on this um because i think this is actually quite funny so uh, the the headline we were given on this now we've muddled our way through it it's time to now was it, we, we're really deconstructing the concept of news here by starting with working out what the heck is going on and working our way back to the the headline so atom wars the latest in a myriad of cosmos hub 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 narratives <laughs> informal who sold all of their atom funding allocation now want retail to lock up their atoms for up to one year to get additional voting power to direct liquidity to dexes people at informal brackets open dieborg brackets closed seem to think people want to buy atom and lock it for a year to increase their voting power while selling all of their atom funding allocations every time they get them um you know it's hard to determine good. whether good. whether this is an introductory statement to adam wars or whether this is purely a vehicle to have a stab at <laughs> informal <Anti-ball. laughs> i mean why, yeah. why not why not both why not all three yeah sure why i not? mean that's kind of in the spirit i mean sledging has kind of always been in the spirit of game of nodes has it not you know as an extension of crypto itself I think it's only apt that we embrace sledging at every opportunity. There you go. Um, speaking of which, uh, the the other piece of news I gather is that Noble are uh, releasing a derivative asset, um, just like a treasury bill. Um, I don't think I care. Do you care? Well, sort of. Uh, it is interesting that someone's brought this to market finally after everyone's talked about it for decades. Yeah. So, why, so my question would be: Why would you buy this on Noble and not just buy the Treasury bill? So, regardless of the actual assets, just the mere concept of bringing real-world assets into a blockchain representation, I like Noble is so new, though, and I don't know that if I was, for example, going to tokenize my house. I would home it on Noble. I'd probably be looking at something more like Ethereum. But uh, you know, I'm I'm on board with the I'm on board with the concept. Like I think in terms of like human evolution and going forward, like this is the type of stuff that'll need to happen eventually. Um, if blockchain is indeed the future. So Well, I mean I think, I think there's a question a mark, step right? in a direction. Hmm? It's a yeah, it's a step in a direction. I think <laughs> the idea that it's necessarily um, pro well, whatever. Anyway, so I mean, I happen to think that that tokenization in a bunch of uh, cases makes sense. I I think my concern is kind of like yours. Like I, the way it's going to go in the UK by the look of it is that um, fund fund and asset tokenization will happen. Um, real world asset tokenization will happen. It will happen through regulated entities. Um, <laughs> So which, for which, for all of that stuff, right, like for, you know, for example, a CBDC would never happen without Bitcoin, right? 
they they wouldn't have arrived at no, that by no, themselves. So it, it is part it is part of a wider discussion. I think it's just that like I personally am not going to shoulder the risk of a real world asset like this, and uh, you, well, and also like you know bluntly, right? There's a lot of fintech innovation at the moment outside of crypto. Like so, uh, I can get an ISA in the UK um, and buy treasury bills right from from my phone i could set it up probably in the course of about 25 minutes um and i can buy 28 day uh uk government uh treasury bills now you might not want to because the uk is a clown car right uh, <laughs> generally speaking for yeah generally speaking your average investor is going to invest if they're going to buy government debt they'll buy government debt from their own country because it's typically easier from a regulatory and access perspective so Given these U.S. Treasury bills, maybe that's the appeal. Is that it's, uh, I guess, a simple way for for an investor like, say, me, to buy U.S. government debt. Except that if you're kind of a little bit more sophisticated, you kind of know how you can buy U.S. government debt anyway. Uh, and if you buy it directly via an already regulated entity outside of crypto, you know if anything goes wrong, you know you have some recourse. Depending on the scenario, depending on what happens yeah i don't know yeah it's all about risk isn't it it's all about risk management so it but then it's all tricky isn't it because like you know even like we were talking about with the banks the other day what's the actual reality that if every bank failed would you actually be made whole on your whatever it is in australia two hundred thousand dollars uh yeah so i think the um australian government guarantee is 250 grand for that bank but not if for it account it's for that bank. The, yeah, if the contagion was bad enough, though, would you actually get that money back? Uh, I don't know. Like, if all of the banks collapsed, I find it hard to believe that you would. I think it's more to protect individual, like, individual people from individual collapses not related to, like, a wider uh, yeah. economic problem, like, more of a mismanagement of... I mean, to be, I guess to be fair, in 2008, they literally did bail out banks in order to secure consumer deposits. So that was the stated reason. I know there was actually a lot more going on behind the scenes, but there were a couple of uh, high street banks that literally were going to be insolvent and experienced a bank run and were propped up for that reason. I, so, believe, I, I believe that the government actually bailed in is the term that's proper. Sorry, bailed in. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, ben says in the chat, does it being on chain mean market can run 24-7 instead of during office hours? I don't think so because uh, I'd be very surprised if it could because it's just a real-world asset, right, which is traded on exchange. It will have to work to the exchange hours. So, again, typically in emerging fintech products where you can do this via an app at any time, you can usually lodge an order out of hours or something like that, and it will get executed at the opening of play, whatever that company's you know, linked to the mainline system kind of activates after trading begins or whatever. I think uh, the broader discussion for that is when are we going to do away with sophisticated traders having to work in their fucking schedule? Because there is no reason why the exchange can't be open 24-7, especially when they're like it, it's the exchange is not how it used to be where you'd throw tickets around on a trading floor. It's now digitized. Like there is no reason yeah. why it can't run 24-7. It is just that the people who so that, I think it's so that very wealthy bankers can uh, sleep can sleep. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not I'm not being facetious. I think it, I think it's so that because because think about it, right? So um, right, we we all have page duty, right? Because 
at any point, something bad could happen that pulls you out of bed. If you have trading hours for the exchanges, the absolute worst case scenario thing that could happen, which is a market crash or a bank run, cannot happen while your home exchange, New York Stock Exchange, whatever, London Stock Exchange, name name your one of choice, um, is closed, right? I, I genuinely think it's so that bankers, uh, investment managers, hedge fund traders, and the financial sector more generally can guarantee that once they're off the clock, they can do what they want in their evening and have a good night's sleep. That, that that's that's it. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. They don't want to be on pager duty forever. They want their money and they want it without pager duty. I mean, I think you're right, but I don't think it's also much of a stretch to just man the desk twenty four seven. No, but you know, you see margin call, right? Probably the film, right? Have you seen how pissed off Jeremy Irons looks in that film that he's been pulled out of bed to deal with that crisis? Yeah, go. but you know, That's he's acting. a snooty rich dude, right? Well, yeah, but it's good acting. And that it would be, it would be I, the real life version of that would be a lot less uh, civil, I would imagine. <laughs> it would be a lot late because, like, Jeremy Irons, he's just like, fell it, fell it all down. And you're like, oh, acting. What a great actor. <laughs> like, it, in real life, they'd just be like, how fucking dare you pull me out of bed for this bullshit? What's going on? Uh, we're insolvent. Damn it, James. God damn it. You woke me for that. You woke me for that. <laughs> Don't you know the government will bail us out? And then Don't we'll you know I have friends in the people. government? We'll blame poor people. Don't you understand? And it will be poor people's fault. It was the, it was, it was the plebes. It, it turned out it was the plebes all along. Um, so, um, yeah. Gansey's out. Peace. 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 Yeah, I mean, you know. Just just start 24-7 trading. I, you know, the Americans aren't the only ones who trade on American stocks, right? Every time I have to put in a trade, I have to stay up till fucking 2 o'clock in the morning to make sure it goes through. And that's a pain in the ass. So not content with being a degenerate in the, in the crypto markets, you insist on also being a degenerate in the stock markets. If there is a legitimate opportunity for degeneracy, then... I don't see why I should exclude myself from it on purpose, even if that means staying up to two o'clock in the morning. Your tolerance tolerance for risk and energy for it continues to amaze me. (laughs) That's probably why you always look so tired. To be fair, my energy is slowly being beaten out of me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it for the like 18th week in a row, but you're looking tired, man. You know, on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably about a 13 and a half on like exhaustion. But I feel like if you take your foot off the gas, you're probably just going to fall in a heap. So, yeah, that's what that's what happened to me. I took I, I took two days away from my laptop over Christmas and then it ended up being obviously pager duty was on. Right. And, you know, whatever. But I then just didn't fucking I, I literally went put it in uh yeah, just like put it in a pile of books somewhere I couldn't see it and then didn't look at it for 14 days. And just, you know, when you have that weird thing, you know, when you take a break and you basically just like after a couple of days, you just kind of collapse. Like it all just hits you like a fucking brick, you know? And you just like, like, you know, when you you realize how exhausted you are and you're so exhausted, you're like gritting your teeth at how tired you are. You're like, you wake up one morning and you're like, <laughs> fuck.
<laughs> that was it, man. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, how have I, how have I kept going for like a year and a half at this level of exhaustion? Like it was mad. Yeah. I think lately I've been muddling through quite a long string of like interrupted sleep. So like, that's probably a, a thing that I could fix with um, some maintenance modes. Upgrades are a bit of a pain being in the middle of the night, but they almost invariably succeed. So I think that I may start actually putting networks in maintenance mode half an hour before and an hour after the planned upgrade so that I'm only alerted if the thing is still stalled after an hour because... yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, you can look at the, I mean, I hate to say it, but you can, depending on the chain, you can look at how long the slashing window is and set your alerts accordingly. So we have some alerts for Cosmos chains, which is, um, there's like a, if it's during sort of rough, when you could reasonably be awake in Europe hours, it will alert immediately, highest alert, fucking screaming. But like between like two in the morning, and five in the morning, it has to be bad before the alert will escalate to waking people up. Because other people with a small child will know once you wake them up, uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you don't want a phone going off at like the worst time is probably four in the morning because everybody is in the middle of a sleep cycle. And there's a good chance that you won't get back to sleep if you get woken up at that point. Yeah, oh between. God. Between two and five is a really bad time to be woken up, like you say, because it's just the chances of going back to sleep are pretty slim. And yeah. unfortunately for me, most things happen at 3 a.m. Um, That's like which is, I mean, it's okay if you get to bed pretty early, but if you like are working on some things the night before and then maybe you forgot about an upgrade and then you get the fucking pager duty alert that uh, – because, you know, what comes through on my monitoring is specifically uh, my monitoring or – misunderstand an upgrade for a stall because the network hasn't advanced in a certain time frame um so then and also the potentially the um rpc will become unavailable so i get a bunch of different associated alerts with the network being stalled or upgrading um which like you say should be able like if it's if it's a network you don't have a lot of voting power on like you know outside of the top 10 or something i don't see a problem with like actually upgrading later if it's um if it didn't work properly but for networks where we have you know a higher amount of voting power like say network or something like that um then i think it's pretty important to get the alerts straight away if something's going wrong um just in case like other people are taking on that same philosophy you, you sort of want to be able to at least attain consensus yeah. for the network so you you have a responsibility in that um respect to be present regardless of whether or not you're going to get slashed i think yeah i think this is also like we've <clears throat> i've started looking at our you know we, we obviously run fewer chains than we used to anyway but like we, we we're going to wind down mars um in next month hey yo Ayo. but it's also like because no, because honestly like i uh, i sat there you know we, we we were talking about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago because you obviously uh wound down and we were talking about this after um uh after we finished recording the podcast we were just having a chat and um i can't remember if it was you or, or serp said something 
and I kind of realized that like, uh, like obviously I don't really have a choice. Like if Pager Duty goes off, it goes off. But if I did have the choice and Mars got me up at 4am, I would rather just not know about it. Like I had this, I had this strong, overwhelming feeling where I was just like, number one, slashing window, no worries. Number two, we've never made a cent on it. Number three, we're not going to make any money on it. Very unlikely. And I was just like, well, hang on. If that's my gut feeling on ranking the importance of this in our business model, why, why, why am I even running the risk of being woken up at 4am for that when I still have confidence in Stargaze? Uh, you know, we have other chains like, like Aptos that, and you know, other things that we're looking at getting into as well, which we do have confidence in and are important enough to wake us up at four in the morning and have woken us up at four in the morning. And you go, yep. Okay. That's a reasonable reason to be woken up at four in the morning. You know what I mean? Like th- th- there's two types of pager duty notification, right? There's the one where you see it and you're like, I can't believe I'm getting up for this. And there's the one where you go, oh shit. Right. And my theory of pager duty now, having taken two weeks off over Christmas and having a new perspective on shit is that you shouldn't be running fucking networks where your reaction isn't, oh shit. Like if you don't have that level of either interest or like investment or like simply like business, uh, um, business reason, right. To, to give a shit about that network, then why are you letting it wake you up? Like with test nets maybe is the only sort of edge case in that. Cause sometimes you have to run test nets and then they just fucking halt. But then, I mean, half the time, if it's not, if it's not like a, a test net, which is like compulsory with some like negative consequence, again, I, I don't even put it into the monitoring. I think the only one that was in monitoring for us consistently was Juno's test net when we ran it. Then we had to know. But apart from yeah. that. Well, I, I will monitor anything that is like in development and, um, you know, important. Sorry, for I, us I meant in alerting, not in monitoring. Everything goes into monitoring, but. Um, yeah, yeah, but alerting, yeah. yeah. So, like I was sort of saying to SERP earlier, I think we're going to break our networks into two categories. And one category being alert no matter what, and the other category being alert in business hours, basically, or from like, you know, nine to. So, if there's an alert that happens overnight, it'll just wait until 7 a.m. or something before it comes through. So, and I think that can make a lot of sense for things like long-running test nets you don't need to know about if they if something happens with those like you know it just gets fixed when it gets fixed um low power networks which you don't contribute greatly to actually being able to achieve consensus if something goes wrong um and that have a long enough um you know window to allow you to um not respond immediately and then obviously the networks where we have high vote power or are like bl- test nets in development would get you know the highest priority alerts and the test nets in development one is a bit of a pain um in terms of sleep because a lot of them are in the u.s and you do need to respond to them pretty quick most of the time especially things like bearer chain where you know where you there might be some sort of uh I mean, but you also like, you know, you still have other commitments that are like outside of blockchain as well as like obviously day-to-day work that needs to be done. So like, I mean, I think there's even an argument for like, like having blocks in the working day 
of those lower priority chains where like let's say between 10 and 12 in the morning and like two and four in the afternoon it wouldn't alert you because otherwise how uh, like i mean maybe this is just my like realization but like i like i find that when i switch from one task to another like i pay like a half an hour um tax right yeah i understand so so like like one of the biggest things i found with especially us we've kind of really heavily reduced our our test net you know that was really last year right Uh, when the baby arrived it was just like we don't test nets anymore and what i noticed was that during the working day like it had a a big impact on being able to get shit done during the working day because there wasn't another layer of random stuff uh, interrupting you you know yeah so i think uh well, for me, I usually have a window in the morning and a window at night uh, where I absolutely do only blockchain stuff. Um, and then, you know, it depends on what I'm doing during the day, but uh, there might be, I might be working on it all day. I might sort of have, do other stuff like maybe some um, construction or something in the middle of the day on my house or whatever. Um, but it makes sense the morning and afternoons because that's closer to when like the US and UK and Europe are sort of online as well. Um, but, you know, that works for me. Like usually I collect a lot of information in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I get onto, you know, Discord and um, Slack and bloody TG and all that type of stuff and collect all of the basically an action list for the morning and then action those things and then move on to other stuff if I need to or I might start doing some maintenance and, you know, looking at Ansible or building some scripts to do certain things or improving you know whatever um if i've got nothing else on in the day but uh but then in the afternoon too like a lot of people come in late afternoon for me and start banging their drum about stuff so sometimes i have things to do there as well uh i'm just kind of like astonished that you have the energy to like even think about uh day-to-day maintenance tasks when you've got stuff outside of this and all of that to do on your to-do list Shit's got to get done, man.